This is the Mind Body Detox Podcast, where we discuss all things integrative health and wellness, interviewing folks from all over the world, sharing insights and wisdom on how to live a healthier life in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome back to the Mind Body Detox Podcast. I'm your host, integrative intuitive medium, Kara Loveheart. And we are back with Pat Dumas. We are so happy to have her back. We loved the tarot episode. So we're going to dive into, as promised, astrology. And I am labeling this episode astrology beyond the horrible scopes. <laughs> yeah, good one. Good one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So let's just dive in here. If anyone has not heard the last episode first, Pat, let's have you introduce yourself again and just give everyone a little bit of background on who you are and what you do. Sure, of course. Um, I'm Pat Dumas. I'm an intuitive reader here in the Lancaster County, York County area, South Central PA. I have read the tarot since I was 12. So it's really scary for me to think it's over 50 years I've read tarot now. Astrology, I've always been interested in it, but I didn't study it until we moved here in 2008 with our beloved Bill Trivet. And um, it was it was then that I realized that that's probably my first love. Astro- uh, tarot got me into the metaphysical. Astrology is truly my first love. It's mm. it's amazing. It's such a, an incredible tool. So when you had your first astrology reading, I would be curious to just hear a little bit about that, about what that was like and how it shifted oh, it your mindset or your perspective. Oh my God, Kara, it was jaw-dropping because one of the problems that you deal with when you when you start studying or reading about astrology on your own is that it would appear that there's a lot of conflicting information. So it can be it can be very frustrating. It can be difficult to um, to parse let's say, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that's like cookbook astrology, where you, you have sun in this and you have moon in that. But the reality of looking at your astrology chart is that everything is integrated. Everything meshes together. And when when you see those sun in Taurus, let's say, that's the pure essence of that sign. But guarantee that sun is going to be bumping into something else, which is going to change it just slightly. Um, so it's, it was, so everybody really, looks different in a different outfit. Does, Basically does. everyone can wear us the same hat, but it's going to look different on them because exactly. of their body shape and their size and their coloring. Right. It's every planet and different things going to come out different depending right. on your uniqueness. And without a guidepost, without someone to help you through the shoals, let's say it's like, you know, it's like trying to paddle a canoe through the, you know, the, the Niagara Falls. It just, it can be really overwhelming. So once I had Bill, sort of chart the territory for me, I realized it was this most amazing, amazing language. And now I'll never go back. I'll never go back. There's, for me, there is nothing that is as efficient and as creative as well, both efficient and creative as the study and the delineation of an astrology chart. I love it. Hmm. Well, so if you've never heard of astrology beyond the horrible scopes, which is just your sun sign in the newspaper, yep. the magazines, the blogs. What would you say astrology actually is? And oh, where is the technical? Okay, let's talk like the, you know, the dictionary, dem- the definition. It's technically, it's the study 
of the movements and the relative positions in the heavens of different planets, different luminaries, the sun and the moon are luminaries, they provide light, um, celestial bodies as interpreted to have an influence on human behavior, human affairs and human behavior. That's the technical. But for me, in the broadest sense, astrology is, it's the search for meaning in our life. It's the search for um, why are we here? What, what is my purpose? It's, and your, your astrology chart is your blueprint. It's what you came here to do. It's who you are. And for me, it's always so incredibly helpful to have had your chart read. I say this all the time, and if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. You, it, you don't want to spend your life banging your head against the wall trying to be the second best somebody else. You can only be the best you. But if you don't know who you are, if you don't know what your strengths, your weaknesses, your your gifts, your challenges, if you don't have a handle on that, you're going to spend your whole life in in a in sometimes a fruitless search. The astrology chart can give you a tremendous heads up and a tremendous leg up in understanding that and saving yourself a heck of a lot of time. <laughs> it really is. It's a wonderfully efficient piece. I found it to be so validating mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, an invaluable tool yes. for self-development yes. and self-awareness and seeing parts of myself that I wasn't ever able to put into words or to label and say, yes, that is my pattern. Yep. And it gives you awareness if you know what your pattern is, whether it's your strength or your weakness, then you have something to to mentally put your mind around so that you can make some sort of action steps to support that weakness or that strength. Exactly. Exactly. And it also, it, it's a validation. It's a, an incredible tool of validation for you. Um, let's say you're, you're the kind of person who grew up in a family that had, this is the way we do things. And your chart, you came in to completely bust that kind of karma up. You may have always felt like an exile, but if you get to get your astrology chart read and you see that no, you may feel that way, but what you actually are is a trailblazer. You're trying to take your family and what you have represented as a family, as a tribe, quote unquote, and bring it to its next level. It can be the most freeing, amazingly validating um, 90 minutes of your life to sit through having your natal chart interpreted. It, it, it's amazing. It really is. Hmm. Well, then how did astrology you know, come about? Because I know that when I heard about the three wise men were astrologers, <laughs> yep. that was something that was like, that's really cool. Really? You know, they were doing it then? So how does that tie in? And, oh and God, what is yes. the history that we're aware of of yeah, astrology? Basically, the early, as far as we know, I mean, there's a lot of this that's shrouded in antiquity. But as far as we know, the earliest actual cataloged evidence for astrology goes back as far as about the third millennium B.C. Um, it was considered a scholarly tradition. I mean, it was studied. It was a scholarly tradition up until about the 17th century. Astrologers were major advisors to leaders, to generals when they were planning their battles, to kings, the whole nine yards. Um, I mean, the earliest thing, obviously, that most people realize, because they realize it in their everyday lives, they started first tracking the moon for agricultural reasons, for the tides. You know, sailors automatically started realizing, well, the sun is full. We're going to have a different tidal sitting than, you know, we usually do. So 
the tracking of the moon. Venus, I know back in Babylonia, I'm afraid I can't remember the year. I going to say about 6,000 maybe BC, but I'm not positive. There's the first tablets that were found in Babylon that showed the cycle of Venus and it, its travel around the, uh, around the Earth. Of course, at that time, they didn't know that it was around the Earth, but you know. So it's really, it was um, even by the 16th century, there was, oh my goodness, if I, am I going to remember? Let me see if I wrote, I did. The Enuma Anu Enlil. Enuma Anu Enlil. This was in um, Mesopotamia. That was the first predictive astrology. You know how we have, um, who is it, Nostradamus, who wrote down all those quatrains? I think it's 940 quatrains of, of predictions. Well, in that, in the 16th century BC, they found 68 to 70 cuneiform tablets with predictions based upon omens that they were able to see from the portents of astrology. So, I mean, yeah, this has been going on for a while. <laughs> We've definitely been doing this for quite a while. Well, I think it's really interesting that you said about the leaders used to consult astrologers oh, for yeah. Yeah. all sorts of things. And I'm thinking, well, you think that we should do that now? I think that secretly there are a lot I of leaders in our government yeah. and in you know a lot of celebrities seek out astrologers. I know that's very common. It's just not yeah. talked about because it's become taboo. I yes. wouldn't want to know what happened with that historically. Why did it become weird to be seeing an astrologer because the concept was we we astrology was the precursor shall we say or the jumping off point maybe is a better way to put it for astronomy so the science the measurable science of astronomy sort of replaced the the i don't know i don't know what you'd call it there is absolutely a science in my opinion to astrology there is the technique that is so based on precise technique, mathematical calculation. I mean, it, it's definitely not, you know, guess, guessing a God, you know, what is it, by guessing by God? But for some reason, it fell out of favor because it was unable to be nailed down. You know, like you can measure how many degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius it takes to make water boil. You can't do that quite as easily as demonstrably with astrology's techniques as you can with other science techniques. But it's heartbreaking that they started calling it a pseudoscience because I mean, you, well, you know how accurate it can be. It's, it's really, it's astonishing. So, yeah, talking about leaders who use it to plan out their route, you know, from a business perspective, it's been so supportive mm -hmm. from a personal perspective. It's been quite accurate. And I know that we have, even on camera and on on recordings, yep. your accurate predictions for that are just amazing. And I know you're a very humble woman that you wouldn't ever point out how accurate you were, but I've had to point it out and be like, Pat, this was really on point. We need to <laughs> yeah. share. Yeah, this is amazing. And you're just you're the messenger of it. Yeah, it's just it's just looking at the charts and reading them. It's reading the language. But you have to be <laughs> You can't translate war and peace if you don't have a good vocabulary. So you do have to have some background in there and some study in place in order to, to have it be um, useful, I guess is the best way to put it, and ethically right. valid. Yeah. So what are the common misconceptions that people have about astrology? Because oh, I goodness. feel like I hear them all over the place, and I know that it's more pop yep. culture now. So 
people still have these misconceptions about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people don't realize it's more than just your sun sign. Now, there is a, sp- a place in this world for sun sign astrology, which is strictly what is the, the sign, the zodiac sign that was in place the moment you drew breath. Now, I'm an Aquarian. I was born on February 1st. So for me, my sun sign is Aquarius, but that's only part of who I am. I have, I mean, all of the other planets are, are playing involved in this too, as well as many other sensitive parts of the chart. We're talking about asteroids that get into the game here and the way they all interact with each other flavors them. Uh, like for example, when I'm teaching, I will, you know, explain to my students that you may have sun, in, I'll use myself, you may have sun in, uh, no, I'll use moon, moon in Aquarius. The moon talks about your your um, unconscious emotional response. Think of it that way, the unconscious emotional reactions to things. And let's say it's making a connection with Pluto, which is all about power. Everything that you, whenever you look at Pluto, it's all the ways you examine the quality of power in your life, personal power, power being exerted upon you, what have you. When you're looking at an opposition between those two, if the moon is red, and the Pluto is yellow, once they've touched, they'll never be red and yellow again. They will always be orange because it's always blended. You can never look mm. at them alone again. That makes sense? Yeah, so you basically, you're using color as a point that when you put yellow and red together, you make orange. And when you put Bingo. your Pluto and moon together, it's going to make a new yeah. energetic energy signature or an expression of your personality. Right. Now you throw into that also what house, excuse me, what area, they're called houses, the 12 houses of the chart. What area of your life gets activated by these planets? Um, What's the degree that it's in? Because that can make a difference because there's 30 degrees to each sign. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So I would say, you know, hearing you are your sun sign. Well, yeah, that's true. But you're also a heck of a lot more than that because your chart works with so many different things to create a picture. Um. I also like the, you know, the old one about there's a 13th sign now. There's a 13th sign ever since the, you know, all of the constellations have been shifting because of, because of planetary, I don't know, precession. All that simply means is that, yes, when the planets, when Earth rotates on its axis, it shifts. The constellations have shifted and moved. But the important thing is the constellations are not the zodiacal signs. They're not. The constellation of Sagittarius is not the sign of Sagittarius. The, the, the zodiac signs are archetypes. That's what you're working with. The other I love is that astronomy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because what we're saying is you're saying that if I'm an Aries, when I was born, they sh- that the, the zodiac constellation of Aries should be in the sky above me, you know, if you look in the night sky when I was born, but really you're saying that the qualities of Aries, which Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac, it happens mm-hmm. in the springtime. It's about newness and charging forward and th- yep. that it represents the qualities and the characteristics of that, mm-hmm. not and the, the psychological archetypes versus what the exactly. actual position in the sky. Exactly. And I mean, to play, I mean, you want to play with it a little bit further. I mean, if you look at the different constellations, let's say Scorpio, the, the constellation is called Scorpius. And we only have Libra now because there were planets in Scorpio, Scorpius that actually shifted so that the two pans of the scale 
for Libra or actually now that's a different that's a different constellation. <laughs> it's, it's wild. So they separated out. Hmm. But Scorpio will always be Scorpio and Libra will always be Libra. It's just just remember constellations are the stars and zodiac signs are the signs. And the, it's not that they're not related, but they're not the same is the best way to put it. Hmm. So another one that I love is that, you know, it's just it's just a bunch of random guesses. You know, every once in a while you're going to hit it. Well, <laughs> uh, no, there's very precise technique that's used. There's very precise mathematical calculations. Thanks be to God, they have software now, so I don't have to hand erect a chart because my, my math skills, my husband always laughs at me. He calls, you know, when we used to have to do a checkbook, it was adventures in creative accounting. So <laughs> me, me and numbers don't do well, but me and computers do just fine. So, you know, that's, it's, it's astonishing how many of these misconceptions are all based on the fact that everybody sort of has a part of a view of astrology, you know, and not the whole big picture, which is big. Yeah, I mean, even cool. if you get your astrology chart done, you get super excited about it because it's very accurate. Yeah. I feel like I'm the person on the side, like I'm cheering the astrology on, but I'm still just a lay person, but I still like am so interested and I learn so much, but I feel like the more I learn, the more I realize there's so much more that- Well, and look at I, how much you've changed in your life, Kara, right? The birth chart is always going to be the birth chart, but then we have additional things. What do I always throw at you? The progress chart. How have you evolved since you were born? That birth chart is not going to change. It lives on through other additional layers. I think that's important to state because I think when people get very excited about astrology and they don't have an astrologer that they work with, what they usually do is they go and get a chart read online where they'll put their date and birth date and time and everything and they'll yes. get a chart and it'll give them a basic understanding. But I did that for years until I actually came and saw an astrologer and I realized, whoa, there's it's a big nuanced. difference here. Yes, it is not nuanced. Yeah. yeah. And there's definitely not a progress chart. They didn't talk about those things or you threw something at me that was so amazing uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later, the different types of astrology, but you mm -hmm. threw what's called astrocartography, yes. which that is astrology based on your chart and In different certain parts locations. of the globe. Yep. You see, the heavens are always going to be the heavens. They do shift and they move. But when you look at a chart, that, that, that circle with the 12 pieces of pie is the best way I can put it, that specifically ties you to a certain place on the earth. So it stands to reason that your chart will shift a little bit if you place it in a different place on the earth. Now, I'm a really good example. I was born in Germany because my father was a career military officer. So if I transfer my chart over to the United States, it shifts probably about two houses for everything. They're all in the same degree and sign, but they're placed in different places in the chart. Um, if, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, my birth chart has my son resting in the ninth house. If I shifted it to northern New York, where I was, where I grew up most of my life, I, I believe it moved it over to the eleventh chart. I was eleventh chart, eleventh house. I was a lot more group oriented in New York than I would have been in Germany. So it's it's really quite interesting. But you always start with that birth chart. 
because that's where the promise comes from. That's where the, the whole pattern is laid out. Mm. Well, then how is astrology, you know, different now than it was? And why is it so popular now? Oh, I mean, it's got a lot of different reasons. I think the most important one is people want to understand why they're here. You know, people, people want to give meaning to their relationships. They want to understand why they make choices the way they do. Um, the idea of having some kind of a, of a concept of knowing what might be coming can really give you that a, a much more, what's the word I'm looking for, a much less feeling of the fates happening to you and you instead feeling in more control, you know? it's I mean, control is an illusion, but the planetary energies that are at work on us, if we are aware of what direction they're going to be playing in, we can go with the flow rather than banging our head against a wall. And that can make life a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. So that's just a couple of the things. Very reassuring to also know, you know, oh, that's normal for me. That's the way I'm wired. Okay. I can live with that. Now that I know, I don't have to keep trying to be somebody I'm not. You know, it's it's there's a lot of different reasons. Um, I think we've all become really interested in learning. I mean, look, look at how in the 60s, uh, the 50s and 60s analysis started being so important. It was, again, trying to understand who we were. This takes it to the next level. It, it goes you on. You mean a, psychoanalysis? Um, yeah, exactly. So it, it takes it to the next level of trying to understand, okay, if that's, if that's psychologically why we are the way we are, where is that coming from? Let's bring past lives into this. Let's bring patterns from, from um, reincarnation into this. We could, have, we could have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> so I think we already answered this question, but I just want to revisit it just to see if there's anything else you have to say about this topic. But what is the difference between horoscopes in a magazine or a blog versus full charts? Like any details we can help the listener understand the process? Sure. sure. Again, that's sun sign astrology. It's going strictly by the sign of the sun at the time you were born. And it leaves out a very large part of who you are in terms of especially the other personal planets, the sun, the moon, the two luminaries, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Mercury, how do we communicate and think? Venus, what is it and what is our style of networking and merging, coming together? What's our viewpoint towards um, currency? Because Venus also rules money. Mars, what is our motivation and drive? Um, so these are big things. And if we're only looking at what are we, what is the essence of who we are, we're missing a lot. It's not that it's inaccurate. I would be willing to bet it's probably fairly on target, but it's so broad it can't get narrowed down into a into any particular um, measurable kind of kind of way to predict what's going on. That's that's probably about the only reason why I don't do them. If I'm going to if I'm going to do a horoscope, I'm going to do a horoscope for you. <laughs> It's very individual, you know, it's not going to yeah. be just for you and anybody else who happened to be born on that particular day. So the next question I'm going to, I'm going to postulate and just say my own personal hypothesis, but I want to hear yours because you know okay. so much more about astrology than I do. But I was wondering about how 
how astrology actually provides very valuable, accurate information. Like what is the actual mechanism behind? Why does this work? How does this work? What is it doing? And so years ago, I thought to myself, as an empath, as a highly sensitive psychic person, I know that energies are very influential into how we react or respond to our environment. You know, if your spouse or your child is grumpy, you're going to be more likely to be grumpy. If they're in a great mood, you're more likely to be influenced Mm -hmm. by it. Same thing with the town you live in, your workplace, your home, your environment and the energetic influences around you really do affect you on a subconscious level and then eventually affect the way that you behave and act and interact with your environment. Sure. So I thought to myself, How do we zoom out? Because I know that the moon absolutely affects us. Mm -hmm. It affects the tides. Maybe it affects the pull of blood flow into our brain, affecting some things Well, it does. I mean, think about it. Think about it. It, We're we're what, 93% water? Yes. So, of course, we're going to be affected by the pull of the moon, just as the the ocean's tides are. It makes absolute sense. Absolutely. There's a reason why you um, get your hair cut at a certain time, because that's when the blood flow is coming to the hair follicles, to stimulate growth. So yeah, it is, it, it's just like gardening by the moon. Um, I, I guess, the reason, why is it still so spot on? Well, here's where you have to get into a little bit of, of cosmology, a little bit of philosophy. I could not do the work I do without having a certain belief in fate, okay? Um, I think the thing that really blew it away for me that made it so clear how... Um, how very much fate plays into this is when I started doing synastry, which is relationship astrology. We'll talk a little bit more about that as probably down the road, but um, I can take a look at the chart that is created when two people's charts are merged. It's called a composite chart. Each person is their own individual, but when those two charts are combined, that becomes a chart of the relationship itself. And that relationship, I can spot in that chart by looking, you know, looking at different um, reference books to see when the planets were where. I can almost always chart when they met. Hmm. So it was like this was meant to be. This is a this was a relationship that was meant to be for karmic cosmic reasons. This is why no reader has any business ever telling a client when it's time to end or start a relationship. It's none of their business. That's already between them and whatever they consider their higher power to be. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's just this idea of the reason it's so accurate, because if you follow the rules that were established thousands of years ago, I still use the same basic rules that my predecessors back in the 14th century would have used. I do medieval astrology. If you follow the technique, you can't go wrong. But what it, all it creates is that, how can I call it? The energy of it, the feel. All right, here's, here's a good way to put it. The, the person who drowns at sea is going to have the same energy pattern in their chart as the person who dies of pneumonia. Does that make sense to you? That sense of water in the lungs, water in the lungs. So you have to, that's where you take the technique of looking at Neptune. Neptune was involved probably with the sea would tell you and see if there's any Saturn going on. Saturn, Neptune stuff together can be health stuff. 
and you bring in the lark. This is my, my teacher, Bernadette Brady, wrote a book called The Eagle and the Lark. And she said the eagle represents the study, the technique, the hard-worn, hard-earned lessons in astrology. Then once you've got that nailed down, you allow the intuitive stuff to come in only after you've done the initial technique. Because otherwise, then it is just a bunch of guessing. But if you're working within the framework of these are the energies, what what story can I weave with this that makes sense to work with all of these energies? You, you know, when I, when I do astrology and I'm looking at your year ahead, I try to tell a story, right? You know, I'll say, okay, so you got, th- you got really busy in October. So you got really worn out and there's a potential if you weren't taking care of yourself, but there, you know, to, to end up being sick from, from just overwork and exhaustion. So make sure you take good care of yourself. That's the kind of stuff that I can spot in the chart. Not that you're going to get sick, but that you're going to be overworked. And if you're being an Aries, love to just go hell bent for leather, leather into things and not take care of yourself, then that's a, a, a very likely outcome. Make sense? Yes, absolutely. It's such a, it's so much fun to allow playing with the lark. You know, for the longest time, I don't know how to put it, for the longest time, when I first started studying astrology, I was so aware of the naysayers that I worked so hard to get all of the technique right. Now I'm finally trusting what I see and I'm allowing the intuitive lark to come through. And it certainly isn't hurting my accuracy level, so I'm doing okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Everything you've ever helped me with has been very spot on and also very just professional and even ethical in the way that you read and making sure that you're not Sub- subconsciously, a person can be influenced by a reader, by what yes. they have to say. It can influence their decisions. Well, she said this is going to happen. You know, you make sure you're very mindful with how you present the information. Yes, you never want to like, do. You're doomed. Yeah, you, you never want. But I, I was. I'm hoping we'll get a chance to talk about ethics because there's some really specific stuff that you know that you want to talk about with toxic readers. But yeah, you never you never want to be a, a doom, gloom and doomsayer. But you also don't want to be totally all false hopes. You need to be realistic. You need to say, this is what I'm seeing. What are you going to do with that? You know, you don't leave them hanging there. You you ask, what does that mean to you? How does that resonate for you? What do you think you can do with that? How may I help you figure out, you know, your your plan to get around that period in your life? So, right. So let's share a little bit more about the different types of astrology, because I know there's different kinds of astrology. Sure. Well, you mentioned uh, astrocartography, which is essentially taking the birth chart and just placing it in a different part of the world, which which really is astonishing at how much it can make a difference in people's lives. Um, Natal astrology is the one that most people think of. That's reading the birth chart. And it tends to lean towards psychological astrology. You know, what's the the Jungian archetypal um, patterns that you see at play? Um, there's predictive astrology, which is when you're sitting there looking at, well, what are the what are the potential outcomes of the energies in play in the year ahead, let's say, or for a couple of years ahead, depending on which, you know, which activity is going on in the person's chart. Um, there's mundane astrology, which deals with the astrology of countries and cities. Uh, you can also the the um, astrology of businesses. That's mundane astrology. You can you the thing that's so cool is that you can actually, if you know when a a business started 
You can run a chart of the business and a potential new employee, mix them together and see if it's going to work out. See if it's you know meant to be, if that's a, a good partnership. If there's a lot of stuff at odds with each other, then it's it's likely going to be not necessarily a match made in heaven for that employee, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. Um, sinister, that leads me, of course, to synastry, which is relationship astrology. And that is not just intimate, you know, lovers. This is friends. This is um, business partners. One of the best fun um, things I did this past summer was doing that talk at um, the expo on creativity. And it was so much fun looking at the synastry of John Lennon and Paul McCartney and how you know each of them brought something incredibly unique to that, that um, song, uh, you call it songwriting, right? it's so much more than that. But when they were together, the powerhouse that was created by that was astonishing. Um, then there's, there's evolutionary or karmic astrology, which is literally looking at the birth chart to see what did you bring in from past lives into this lifetime? What patterns are you trying to work on? And, you know, I don't want to say erase, let's say mitigate. <laughs> it's a good way to look at it. Um, vocational astrology is going to look at what am I good at? What should I do for a living? What should my career be? Um, one, two that I really like, I mean, I, I'm, I haven't played a lot with these. So if anybody came to me and wanted these kinds of, of readings, I'd probably point them to somebody else. I'm not, I'm not as skilled at it as I'd like to be. One is horary astrology, which is not the study of horrors, believe it or not, but <laughs> horary astrology is where you literally ask a specific question. And you cast the chart as soon as you clearly understand what the intent of the question is and you know the route you want to take. It doesn't follow the regular rules of astrology. It's really fascinating how accurate it can be, though. When I was playing with it, a woman called me and had wanted to find out, you know, where her cat was. She had lost her cat, it disappeared. And it was an elderly cat. She was worried about it. And I think. Ma'am, I, I can't, I've never done this. I can look up some information and see you know, what we find. Well, it was very funny because what I told her is, all I can tell you is what I'm seeing in the chart is that your cat's not passed, according to what the chart says. Please don't hold me to that because I you know, really don't know what I'm doing here. But I'm seeing water around it. There was a lot of Neptune, a lot of water signs. And I'm seeing the east because the east part of the chart was highlighted with a lot of planets. She found that cat in a barn next to a river to the east of her property. Wow. <laughs> so from that point on, I was like, when I'm retired, I'm going to have time and really study this. But of course, I haven't gotten there yet. So that's one. That's it's, it's a, Some people, have, that's their entire practice. And they make a very good living at it. Um, an, another one that I really like is electional astrology, which is literally choosing the best day like to have surgery, the best day for a wedding. I mean, some obviously sometimes you can't wait for the best day to have surgery if your spleen's bleeding out on the table. But if it's if it's elective surgery, you can use electional astrology and choose the best dates. Like best dates for a wedding is a really good one. Best dates to start a business, a best date to um, to launch a class. I mean, it's kind of hard because we're very hidebound by typical times that we start and end college classes or what have you. But if you're you know, lucky enough, like me, to be able to teach whenever you want, um, choosing the areas ingress for the classes that I want to teach next year is going to be you know, very, very much on target. So well, that, that's just some of them. There's so many, so many different ways that astrology can be useful. I, I'm 
my love. It, it is my love. It's so amazing. And the latest one that I've been really curious about, and we're actually going to probably bring someone on here to talk about medical astrology specifically. Yes. yes. I did a lot of interesting work into that with my training for. Yes, with your color puncture work. It's fascinating. I was like, this is absolutely accurate. And I know from my basic understanding of astrology, how interesting it it is as far as yeah. an assessment tool for looking at my clients when they come in. If they get an intake with me for mind-body detox, I will look at their chart as well as all the other assessments that I do, the medical mm-hmm. intuitive reading and the, the iridology, looking at their tongue, looking at their face, all these different tools to assess what mm-hmm. do we need to do. And the medical astrology thing is so fascinating because it helps give me an idea of what type of treatment or what type of modalities would really help this person Absolutely. based on where they're at. So that is just so fascinating to me. I'm really excited to learn more about that and have that guest on. But the next question I want to talk about is astrology, especially because it's very mainstream and very pop culture. And whenever we have something that is out there in the masses, there's always the potential for it to turn um, toxic or be adulterated and ethics to go right out the window. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about when does astrology turn toxic? That's pretty easy. Anytime, just as if it was a situation in a doctor's office, just as if it was in a lawyer's office, anytime a client is being exploited, that is a toxic reader. Somebody who, anybody who will tell you, come back on Tuesday, I may know more. Anybody who wants to remove autonomy from the client and make them dependent upon them in order to plan their future, that that is totally, totally outside the realm of proper ethics. I mean, as I mean, as far as any reputable astrologer, I mean, I, I actually, because I've had a lot of people actually ask me recently, what, what, do you, what do you think about, you know, people who don't get trained, you know, professionally, don't have, have someone who's taught them becoming an astrologer? I said, well, it de- that depends on the individual, but you need to be aware as the consumer, you need to be a smart consumer and know what the, the general ethics are for that field. So you don't engage in conduct that is, that is damaging to the reputation of other astrologers. You, you know, this is just like any a counselor, any counselor of any kind should not be exploitative in any way. No counselor of any kind should make their client dependent upon them. No counselor of any kind should ever remove the ability to make their own decisions from that client. Your job strictly as an astrologer is to present the information. This is what is going on around you right now. These are the energies that look to be in play for you at this time of year, this time of year, this time of year. And this is the way you may want to think about charting your way through it. How does that resonate for you? What does that mean? What do you make it a conversation? Because that way, as the reader, you're going to be able to hear if the person is actually picking up what you're truly putting down. <laughs> you know, if if you're just sitting there yakking at a client nonstop and not getting feedback, then that client, you may, you won't know if that client is not taking the information on board clearly, correctly. And then proceeding on a on a misconception, you know what I'm saying. So there's that one. There's um, you always want to make sure that you're maintaining confidentiality. 
what is said in a reader's office between the client and the reader is sacrosanct. It, you know, what stays in, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's, it's exactly that kind of thing. Um, for example, I looked online because I wanted to see what the, you know, the NCGR, the net, oh my goodness, I can never remember. It's one of the major, um, one of the major astrological societies. I wanted to see what their code of ethics was. And I was fascinated to see that they were pretty similar with the International Society for Astrological Research, which is ISAR. They have a five page part of their web that builds on eight basic guidelines. And you never bring harm to a client. It's just as if you were, you know, you were a doctor. You're always asked activating in the client's best interest. You're always supporting the client in the best ways. They make their own decisions. You're never frightening them, as we talked earlier, with extreme predictions. Either way, either you know, doom and gloom or false hope. That is not what you do. You have you have to point out that the configuration you see of planets, the you know, the, the way the planets are moving together could have a best case scenario play out or a worst case scenario play out or somewhere in between. Your job as an astrologer, if you're good at what you do, is to say, you're probably going to find it falling in this this range of you know activities that could be the result of this particular aspect. You're always going to maintain strict confidentiality, um, very clear boundaries, really important from the standpoint, not just for your own protection, not just for the protection of the client, but also for the protect protection of the profession to maintain incredibly strong and clear boundaries between yourself and your client. Um, and then really, what you, you're, it's also your job to keep maintaining your skills, to keep learning, to keep studying, just, to, just as you at Firefly Hollow are so, so intent on making sure that your therapists have the right. most updated techniques under their belts. That's what we astrologers have to do too, which of course never breaks my heart because I love to learn new things. <laughs> oh, it's never a problem for me. But see, it, it, it is a very clear profession with a very clear set of rules that we try to follow. It's heartbreaking when I hear, you know, Bill, Bill and I used to bemoan all the time, all the nonsense that would become part of being seen as woo-woo, you know, <laughs> and it's not, we're, we're not, woo. we're no more woo-woo than a good pathologist or, or a good internist yeah. looks at the data and makes their um, diagnosis right. of condition. So let's go over a potential popular celebrity and maybe explain a little bit more about the four elements or maybe the, the sun sign, the moon sign, the rising sign. These are things that are beyond the basic sun sign astrology you said earlier. So I think it'd be great to give people an example of these different, um, you call them right. the personal planets, right. correct? And just give us a little bit of rundown of some examples so we can kind of relate a little yes. bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, just just to, to throw it out there, the big things... All right, here's a good example. This past weekend was the open house at New Visions, Books and Gifts. And we do mini readings at these open houses, which is sort of like allowing people to dip their toes into seeing what, you know, what a reading can be like. Now, you obviously, in a 15-minute mini reading, cannot go in-depth in a client's chart. So in general, what I tend to look at first is, are there aspects, are there, do, do the planets make 
strong connections that jump out at me as potential themes. But generally, the first thing I'll look at almost always, what is the sign on the ascendant, the first house cusp of the chart? Um, think of that as your front door. It's the, the way, the style, the manner in which you greet the world one-on-one. -on -one. The first house talks about the self. It talks about your identity, your appearance, your name, your personality, your body. So it's how are you seen one-on-one -on -one by people? So the sign that rests there is one of four different elements. It's either air, which is Gemini, Libra, or Aquarius. It's fire, which is Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. Or it could be earth, which is Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. Or it's water, Cancer, Scorpio, or Pisces. Now, depending on which that element is, that's really the person's prime motivation in life. It doesn't matter anything. You don't, you don't have to know what the sun sign is. You don't have to know what the moon sign is. If you know what that is, if you know what that element on that first house cusp is, I can tell you what that individual needs in order to make the promise, the potential of the rest of the chart ever come into fruition. If you have fire, those fire signs resting on that first house cusp, this is a person who seeks personal power freedom, the ability to take action and, in, and really instigate and make change, motivate and drive. If it happens to be air, this is a person that, God forbid, they ever had to take a job that stuck them in a cubicle all day. Yep, there we go. The two of us, Gemini Rising, both of us. We need constant data interchange. We need constant information flow and the ability to move at will. Then those are the two young signs, the two masculine outward pushing signs. The two feminine receptive signs, the yin signs, are earth and water. Earth, that individual, if they've got Virgo or Taurus or Capricorn rising, that's somebody who needs to know they are physically secure. Now, that, that's different for different people. Could be, they might have to have a certain dollar figure in the bank to feel safe. They might have to have their things around them to feel safe. It, it, you know, it, it depends on the person. But if they have that, whatever it is that they need to feel physically secure, the rest of the promise of the chart can come to fruition. And then finally, not surprisingly, our, our sweet water folk, the, uh, the ones with cancer or Scorpio or Pisces rising, need to feel emotionally secure. They need to know that somebody's got their back emotionally. Then they can, they can face the world if that's the case. So that's just, that's just the sun. That's just the ascendant. Think of a peach. Yeah, I'm going to use Bill. I'm, I'm calling on you. I'm channeling you. Uh, Bill Trivet always used to teach the way to, to think about how to identify the sun, the, the sun sign, the moon sign, and the ascendant sign and how it matters. Think of that fuzzy outer part of a peach. That's your ascendant. That's the first thing you see. You take a bite into it and you get to the essence of the person. That is the sun sign. The pit holds the unconscious emotional response. Now let's play for a minute and say we've got somebody who's, um, oh, here's a good one. Somebody with Capricorn rising, an Aries sun, and a Cancer moon. They're going to come off as totally able to control any situation that's thrown at them. They are in charge. As a matter of fact, if they're not in charge, they will ask to be in charge. And if you don't let them be in charge, they'll pout. <laughs> and you'll have that wonderful drive and incredible 
entrepreneurial energy that comes with the Aries sun. But they've got that Cancer moon. So their emotions are always going to be, if they're thwarted, if, if that Aries sun is, is checked, then they may close right up emotionally. That's a tough configuration, those three. So some people have it much easier. They all tend to flow more comfortably. Unfortunately, all charts are not created equal. Some of us have harder lives than others do. I think once you can recognize and have an awareness of what the chart is, those those signs and how they play out, then you can really make the best of it. I really find that to be the most empowering aspect of getting yes. your chart read. Yeah, and you can play to your strengths. You know, right. and you can find ways to bolster the weaknesses, to support where you need support. So anyway, it was interesting because you said, think of somebody, you know, see if you can bring a, a popular personality into, into a, a chart here. So I laughed. I was, I was telling you, I was watching the movie Hidden, uh, Hidden Figures with Taranji Henson and uh, Octavia Spencer and Kevin Costner, whom I love. And I realized Yellowstone on Paramount, the television series, has become such um, an icon of today's day and, you know, day and age that I said, well, let's take a look at Kevin Costner. So for those of you who, who would like to know, this is, this is, this is something interesting. Ethically, we, one of the things that I didn't mention with ethics is I will not read for someone who is not sitting in front of me. You know, let's say, for example, somebody comes to me and they give me, they say, here's my boyfriend's, you know, birth date, place and time. I want, I want to see about it. I, I, no, because that's like me looking in his underwear. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really getting to the very deep nitty gritty of people. It's a little bit different when you're looking at public figures. You do not capitalize on it. But this, is, this information is out there in the public domain. It's easily accessible. So I, I have less worry as long as I am using it strictly for an educational purpose to explain something. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. So Kevin Costner was born on January 18th. 1955, which makes him 67 years old. He's going to be 68 shortly. He was born at 9.40 a.m. in Linwood, California. Now, he has Virgo rising. So that's an earth sign. This is a man who needs to feel physically secure in order to be able to let the promise of the rest of his chart come to fruition. He is a Capricorn. And it's, it's a good, strong 28-degree Capricorn, and it's in the fifth house of the actor's creative expression. So this man's essence is tied to most taking the great joy of being creative. His moon rests in Sagittarius. So he's quite glib, he's, he's relaxed, and it's resting in the third house of communication. Now, what I find interesting in, in um, Kevin's chart he has an opposite. He, he has a, an engine, what we call a, an engine, a motivational drive an engine called a T square. There's an opposition, two planets on opposite sides of the chart, the sun on one side, and almost exactly opposite is Uranus. And they are in the fourth, tenth house. So there is, to put this into English, his entire essence is constantly trying to find his authentic self. And the way he plays with that authentic self is by allowing himself to take on many different um, identities through his, through his roles. 
that opposition is squared. There's a two 90 degree angles with Neptune in the second house. Neptune is, is all about creativity. So we have a very strong chart that shows a man who needs to be able to have the freedom to try on different personas, whose concept of his own personal value, second house stuff, is related to his creative expression. And this is also somebody who needs physical security. The thing I love in addition is that he has Mars and Aries, Mars and Aries in the seventh house. This man is not somebody you can put off. His drive, his motivation is right there. It's strong. Nobody's going to tell him what to do. Nobody's going to. I would. I, I haven't taken a look to see how directors work with him, but I wouldn't be at all surprised because Harrison Ford has a similar thing. As long as they feel like the person who is directing them knows what they're doing, they will go along with it. If not, they will try to take over. <laughs> and I, that's the chart of somebody who needs to feel in control. But, I mean, Mercury also is resting in Kevin Costner's fifth house, so communication is totally akin to how he expresses his creative outlooks. I mean, it's, it's really quite remarkable. This chart is it's a very nice chart. And he's, he's got Pluto, the planet of um, charisma, shall we say, in the 11th house of groups. So that makes absolute sense to me. And it's resting in Leo, the actor. So this, this is an, it's an interesting yeah. chart. It really is quite interesting. Gemini resting on the 10th house cusp, the sign on the 10th house cusp. What is the style? What is the, the way you need to be seen by the public? Gemini rules communication, rules words. So it, there's, there's a lot of fun stuff in here. I love that. That's a very good illustration of beyond the horrible scopes. Uh, we're not just saying <laughs> he is a, a Capricorn son. We're just saying he's a Capricorn. Yep. This is who he is. It just does so yep. much more color and it's a robust expression of who that person is showing up to be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Wonderful. And because Saturn rules his 12th house, excuse me, because the sun rules his 12th house, I mean, uh, the planet that flavors his concepts of his subconscious is his identity. It's the sun, which is the actor. So if, I think he finds it quite easy to slip in and out of roles. It's not, um, it's not method acting. I think he becomes the person, which is kind of cool. Hmm. And he's also a lover. His Venus is conjunct the moon. So he's, he's very, and both in Sagittarius. So he's a don't fence me in kind of a guy who, Likes to have fun, but also is very, very romantic. So as far as astrology readings with the ethics and reading for other people, where does ethics come in when it comes to reading another person's chart for this person's a potential colleague or a potential business partner or a potential partner? I don't want to go into details of who they are, but how do we mesh together? Is there ethics about reading when someone's not there when it is for how would you work together with them? I would say it would be smart to say, how do you feel about me? You know, may, may I use your chart to help decide whether or not it looks like this could be a good match for us? Um, if, you, if you feel strongly that astrology needs to be part of, of the work that you do, um, it, it's always best to be as above board as possible and let people know 
that it's it's kind of like their intake form. <laughs> you know, it's it's part of yeah. part of their application. Think of it that way. I wish we could put it on the application. When we do it for Firefly Hollow and we hire, I wish we could legally ask, when's your birth date, time, and location? But when they join us on board, you know, we say, are you interested? And then, of course, you look over things. And it's very fascinating to help us. That is the best way. Involving them, number one, it helps to dispel some of the mis- misconceptions. And number two, it can empower them to be an even better and more happy employee for you. You know, as the as the business owner, if you guys feel like you're working together in creating this endeavor, then I mean, I don't see how yeah. it can go wrong. It's been so amazing to, to have that and have your wisdom and everything as a resource for us and, and to share this wisdom with everyone out there. Because again, there's so much more to astrology. We could probably talk over hours on it. Oh my God. Yes. We're going to have you back on Pat, because I'm guaranteeing that there's going to be questions that people will ask and we can go into maybe a specific topic and maybe just go a little bit further. So let us know if there's any resources that we can tap into. If we want to get a reading with you, I know we do have online services for you. You don't have to be in person, but what else can we utilize to get our feet wet with astrology? There are a couple of sites that are even now today when as a professional astrologer that are sort of my go-to places when I want to say, this is what I'm thinking this looks like. Let me check with what the Astrology King says. His, his name is Jamie Partridge. It's astrologyking.com. Fabulous site. Really, really good site. Um, very broad reaching. One that I enjoy very much. I also love to read the articles on Stephen Forrest's page. I've taken a couple of um, master classes and workshops with Stephen Forrest out in Portland, Oregon. He is uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And he looks at his, he was the first person who showed me that you should look as, at astrology, not as sitting there to amaze people. Oh my God, I can't believe how much they know about me, but more to say, these are the tools I can give you to help you work through things that are going on for you. It's so much more of a holistic approach the way he looks at his, his concept of astrology. So forest astrology, I think it's forestastrology.com and also a site called Astro Logos, A-S-T-R-O, and then another word, Logos, L-O-G-O-S. It, this is a British site. If you just put in Astro Logos, it should come up on any search engine, but it, it's a UK site. It's run by Dr. Bernadette Brady and um, Garolyn Gunsberg. They are amazing. They're, they're the ones that truly took me to the next level after working with Bill and took me into fantastic understanding of delineation of a chart. I'm also studying with, with Dr. Brady, fixed stars, looking at, speaking of these constellations that are out there, looking at how the fixed stars enhance how you slant that interpretation of the natal chart. It's not as effective for predictive work. It's much more effective in understanding the nuances of the natal planets and how they interact with each other. But fascinating stuff. Really, it's like bringing the rest of the sky into the chart because the chart right there that you're just looking at like a small section of the sky and the fixed stars bring in everything else as well. Um, I'm trying to think astrology cafe is not a bad one, but it's um, I don't think it explains as much as I would like. I I think I've given you my my big go to's astrology king, Steve Forrest, astrologos, oh, astrology.com is also one of the better cookbooky type places. 
Perfect. And I will add in my favorite. For people who don't want to know the astrologies and they just want to have something to kind of give them an update and validate them through their journey, the pattern app. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was staggered at how on target that was. Yeah. And it doesn't talk about the signs or anything. So you don't have to know the astrology lingo. Nope. Straight English. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Pat, for coming on and enlightening us, illuminating us about astrology. And we will surely have you back on. I'd love to. I would love to. I would love to talk about, you know, some of my, my favorite stuff like karmic astrology. What does it mean when you see these things in your chart? And what do I do with that knowledge now that I've got it? You know, <laughs> you, you actually can help to break old patterns simply by knowing what was going on. So it, it can be quite helpful. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you, ma'am. It was a joy. Thank you. Now, again, listeners, if you have any questions about astrology or even about tarot, send us your questions because we can absolutely have Pat return and come on again. But thanks again so much for listening and be well until next time, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Detox podcast. We wish you wellness and health in your mind, body, and spirit. And be well until next time, my friends.